0: So this afternoon I sat in my room and as the weather changed and uh, in my fashion, the way I organize my mind is I write something that uh, expresses a little of what uh, is going on and what uh, I'd like to uh, work with tonight. So... Life happening too fast Clouds covering the open sky Blueness gone Gray holding the heavens This first day Wobbling is like this Wobbling is like this Shades of sleepiness Mind spinning holding court with memories. Body, resisting, creaking, or was it just hollering? Why did I come? Some small gesture, this sitting up straight, remembering the sadness, No one can be saved. Time takes its toll. Heart sinks with truth. How to begin again, knowing all about endings? Could it be so simple, letting go of everything? Starting to practice again, breath appears where no breath was noticed before. Life is holding itself. These magical displays, breath enters this subtle relationship, giving and taking A wilderness of unforeseen chaos reorganizing itself. Inhale, exhale, in, out. Could there be a place to rest in this ferocity of change? These elements vibrating, earth, air, fire, water. Oh yes, this knowing, it has its place to rest, readily available, mind dancing in body. Looking carefully, close in, body and mind befriended, a sense of ease. I knew you came to awaken, relaxing in the center of this pleasant, unpleasant dance, oh my, bell rings, leaving the whole valley waiting, oh my, bell rings, leaving the whole valley waiting, all disappearing, reappearing, disappearing, reappearing, heart quivers so (laughs) so I wrote this and there was a piece in there about remembering the sadness and how you know, things happen in our lives and and uh, we have no control over how they happen. So, um, Saturday morning as I was driving uh, to teach a day long up in Nevada City where I live, um, I got a phone call, uh, someone with a very strong southern accent, uh, and I didn't really understand at first what she was talking about, and then it suddenly dawned on me that uh, my stepmother of almost forty years uh, had died that night, and so I was totally sh- shaken you know and suddenly I had to go teach and realize that oh uh, this was uh, someone who had my mother uh, died when in 1967 when I was 19 years old, and so um, she had been with me twice as long you know, and I'd befriended and it someone that I'd go and see once a year. Uh but she really didn't know what I did. Uh we simply um, you know we had different politics, different religion. But there was always this sense of uh kindness that was apparent uh in this exchange when I would go and uh we just sit together, you know. TV on or whatever, you know or however uh, it was in this small town in Kentucky. And um, so I'm still just seeing how, you know, uh, that we let things move us and, and things change, you know. And we have no control, you know. And so part of it coming here is, you know, we come in and we're going probably, you know, 80 miles an hour and suddenly you kind of smash into 20 here. And uh, there's still some reeling going on that happens uh, uh, in your body. You know, this is not... This first day is just, you know, as Mary used the word swamp, and sometimes I use a more extreme term called the train wreck, you know, where you just come uh, to this kind of halt, but everything's still moving. All your thoughts, your body... Uh, So we've come here actually to uh, stop and and, um, start to look at how we are, basically our operating system, you know. And uh, we bring in with us uh, all those stories, like this story of my stepmom and, you know, also this, uh, probably today or last day there was someone uh, that I met in Kathmandu 41 years ago who lives in my town who... Um, uh, Got cancer uh, in the lung and it went to his bones. And very quickly, you know, it's just uh, that's the way it is. Things happen, you know? And so uh, that reality sometimes um, we have to, I think, stop on some level. And I think part of our practice here uh, is very fundamental. You know, it's as simple as uh, we have to come and stop. And that stopping uh, has a certain process that you or I or no one really can hurry up. Uh, We simply have to, in a sense, it's a teaching of uh, patience and um, uh, watching sometimes a lot of resistance or... um, Somehow, maybe you know why am I here? uh maybe I should have done something else you know so all these are questions in this showing up and realizing that there's uh this is you know really a couch- counter cultural event, you know as our culture you know it's just gotten so nuts you know it's uh it seems like every little you know bite gets even faster and and, uh, more extensive and uh, you can be caught up or absorbed Um, in so many choices out there and this is actually something completely different. You know, uh, you've come here, you've renounced the, the a cultural complexity that's out there and are choosing uh, to stop. Uh, In that stopping, there is uh, this process we're in right now, which you could just say is collecting. You know, I like the word. is that we're here collecting ourselves from all that scatteredness and that the body has to settle down uh, the mind, uh, in essence, has to, you know, it's not forcing it into something, it's just allowing it to settle, you know. Uh, this is not a process of struggling, you know, even though the struggle goes on, but it actually is a process here. It's just, in a sense, trying to connect in a very fun- fundamental and basic truth that, you know, we all breathe, you know, and it's something that is universal in this room, actually universal in life. Uh, It has no, what views or opinions or judgments about anything. It's just simply that's true about direct experience. And, of course, because we have so many choices, uh, this is not necessarily a simple or easy choice. But it's true. And that's the fundamentals here. So we have to stop. You know? And that's what we're doing. And in that stopping, there is a collecting that happens. And that collecting then... Uh, When there's enough stillness, uh, there is the fundamentals of this practice, which is based on the fact that then we can begin to have some insight uh, into uh, this, first of all, just this operating system. The fact that, you know, the mind is this monkey uh, that in so many ways seems so untamable. And so basically it's getting to know uh, that monkey and that um, we can try to force it to do things, but ultimately uh, we're just, just going to give it the space to begin to relax. And that when you relax, uh, sometimes I see this as a, it's like uh, we come from uh, like an ocean where the waves uh, there's great winds, and there are all these white caps. And I think that's very much the surface of our life. And we come here and we use the kind of this retreat system uh, to block it off on some house, so there's not as much wind and white caps. You know. And so we begin there on the surface. And this process is that we begin to uh, relax, uh, allow ourselves to connect in essence, with this physical experience and this simple truth of uh, breathing. And we begin this process of dropping down. Uh, first, of course, the truth is that, you know, we're so busy in our lives that we've had to put a lot of things, you know, we've had to put them on the side somewhat. So uh, part of this is just permission. Uh, permission to recognize that underneath the surface uh, there are these currents. You know, and these currents are your life. And sometimes they come and uh, they're not so easy. Uh, But they are uh, true and uh, sometimes I think of them as sort of like a, a, you know, one thing is these currents are like a closet. And uh, we've been very busy Uh, and we store a lot of things in the closet, you know, and uh, eventually uh, we come here and we can open up the closet. Of course, sometimes it's really full and a lot of stuff falls out, you know. But our practice here is making sure that everything is open, the doors are open, and that we can kind of clean it out in some way. And that cleaning out has to do with these currents and and that uh, once we're somewhat collected, that there is uh, this truth of insight, of seeing into uh, kind of our stories and our operating systems and our hearts. You know, uh, it's easy on the surface to, um, you know, it's just like layers. I I saw it the other day in myself. You know, I I cover up uh, protections in some ways. And I realize the essence of this is somehow if we can, you know, I think from the inside sometimes, just allow those layers to soften, you know. So uh, we can feel how important it is to be here, you know, and that uh, there is, you know, this is all in a timeline. And uh, to feel that richness, uh, richness of of um, the uniqueness of uh, being here. And that's really the insight. It allows us to kind of see into, you know, how we manufacture who we think we are, you know, that uh, in that truth of change, there's no way you can stop time, you know. And that if you fight or struggle against it, you are going to suffer. You know, and you have suffered. So this teaching is based on the fact that we can begin to have insight into uh, how how this is, you know. You know, there's a great little kind of story of how... uh, there's a ship out at sea and there's a little bird on that ship and that bird is described as your mind and its nature is that it's way out to sea on this boat and it flies off and looks for land the only problem is there is no land so the bird always has to fly back back to that mast, to that boat. And uh, it's very much the way our minds work. You know, you go off on these stories and then, you know, you come back. You realize where you are. You kind of feel your breath, your body. And it begins to uh, settle in some way. And we begin to see that we have a choice here about struggle or freedom. And from where I'm sitting, I'm encouraging you, you know, that uh, there is uh, these moments of struggle and there's these moments of letting go and simply being with, you know, your experience as it is physically and that there's a freedom there an ease that's available to you. So I was going to tell a story tonight because um, in the Buddhist tradition, uh, this is, uh, we're coming to May full moon, which in uh, the Theravadan countries uh, is celebrated as the time that the Buddha was born. He was enlightened uh, and he uh, passed away. And so it's always been a a kind of having spent many, from the 60s, you know, I've spent 10 years in Asia and how important Uh, it's been actually in my life, this particular full moon as uh, something that if you were uh, in Thailand or Burma or Sri Lanka, uh, this would be a a great time for great gift giving and for... uh, you know, fasting and, and um, uh, prayers and offerings. So just to honor that, uh, I'd like to tell this story because it's been almost 40 years ago now. And um, I had spent, I had been in Asia for some years then. And it's a story all my colleagues here have heard, but, you know, it's it's been years since I've told it, so uh it's uh it has a lot of meaning in the currents uh, of that water, and what it was at this time about forty years ago, so I was in my early twenties, and um it was. This full moon coming up, and I lived in a uh, area of India uh, called the Kulu Valley. Uh, and I lived in a, a small, we call Kuti, a small little hut, uh, about an hour's walk from the town. And um, out in the field, and you had to walk up this canyon with this river in it. And the thing that was so unique about it there was a, it was extremely steep sides and quite narrow, and uh, there were all these large vultures that uh, were sitting on the sides of this as you walk through this little canyon into this uh, little valley that had one little house in it where I lived. And it was one of those times in my life where, you know, uh, I I didn't have, uh, there wasn't much in my life. You know, it was very simple. And I'd learned these practices and, you know, I had long hair, shaved head. I had sort of been through a lot of the gamuts of uh, the 60s, uh, you know, the kind of the, what, the proverbial seeker, you know. And so it came to um, probably today. And uh, I decided, oh, what I wanted to do was uh, I would go up to this mountain called Hanuman Tib. And so I got my sleeping bag and a down jacket. And and, uh, this time of year in Asia, usually the monsoon doesn't start till about the middle of June. So I felt pretty safe. There were some clouds on these big, tall, you know, I don't know, they're 23,000 feet or whatever. And uh, I started off. Uh, had a little bit of food and stuff, and decided I would go up to the uh, to where uh, I was sort of above everything uh, for this full moon, in honor of uh, kind of this Buddhist you know, really acknowledgement, in some way. So I took off, and I just remember the only person I saw on the way and I hadn't told anybody where I was going and uh I ran into some uh of the sheep herders up there about halfway up and I could see these clouds were coming in and and I uh began to question my sanity you know but I wanted to keep going you know and I thought well I'll just keep going up this it was really a a a, a riverbed and there was a path and It seemed uh, reasonable and fair, and and I'd always kind of been a mountain person, and so I didn't have much question or fear about it. And I went on up, and as I got higher up, and it got late, and I realized I really didn't have any place to stay, and um, it seemed like uh, there would be something but as I went along, it got later and later, and these clouds moved in, and it began to sprinkle. And uh, it began to rain. And here I was, I didn't expect this, and I had this, you know, I had a down jacket, I remember, down sleeping bag. and um, But I had, there was no shelter. And there were big pines, and I finally just kept going, it got dark. And I got quite apprehensive at this point, realizing that somehow, uh, you know, I always went too far you know, in my life. It was always, I had to go one, one step farther. So at this point, what I did was I took off, and uh, as it got dark and it started raining, looking for shelter, you know, And I got up and there were a lot of rocks and there was sort of this waterfall in front of me. And uh, So I decided, well, I'll go up to the side of this hill. And there was all these boulders and rocks. And um, so by then it was dark. And I found this huge boulder and I got the shelter. It was actually quite simple. Uh, there was enough of a curve in the rock for me to sit up. You know, and I had been a great yogi. I thought, well, what the heck i'll just sit here all night, you know, so I had this wet down i don 't know if you know wet down is uh mushy down and mushy down jacket and um, and I had this jacket on that was all wet, and this down that was on my lap and and uh and I was determined, well, this is what you know yogis do, they sit all night, so i sad, and it started raining, and I realized it was getting really cold, and um, I did recognize that somewhere it was between rain and snow, you know, and um, so it got colder and colder, and um, I realized at some point that probably uh, I was getting uh, hyperthermia, but uh, I was going to be fine. And as I sat there, then I began this process. And it's really what I want to talk about in the sense of um, how this practice works, you know. And so what was happening was there was this, uh, you know, rock with this indent in it. And um, water was running down kind of this rock and behind me. And I would sit there and I would realize, oh, no one knew I was there. Uh, It was getting colder and colder and there was snow uh, and sort of uh, snow and and, um, rain kind of mixed. And I realized that I would had a friend who, I've had several friends before that, even who had died uh, up in the mountains there. I mean, people, they die. And uh, that's kind of the way the Himalayas are a lot of times there. You know, you have to respect uh, the power of those mountains and nature. But of course, when you're 20, um, you're invincible, right? You know, so that was kind of where I was at. And then I began this process. It was really interesting, where I could sit in the center, I'd be okay, and I would shiver. And then suddenly it would come into my mind that... Uh, I could die, you know. And so the next thing I know, I'd go back and I'd hit my head because uh, I actually would push away from my own kind of experience. I'd go, oh. And as I pushed away, I'd hit my head on the back of the stone. And then I would catch it and I'd come back. And then... I would end up writing a letter, I remember, to my father. That was a big problem in those days for me. So I would start writing this letter, it was kind of an apology letter, because I, I, you know, uh, I was definitely the rebellious uh, type. And so I would write, and, and, and as I'd do that, I would kind of fall into the future and fall forward, and then water would drip on my face. And so I began this process of seeing that, you know, there was the resistance and the fear, and that I would push away from it. And then there would be the, you know, oh, you know, maybe I could, you know, if it, if just this would be, then I'd be okay. So there would be this kind of attachment, in some sense, to the future. And I would lean forward, and then this water would wake me up and run down my face. And, and I began this, oh, it was quite awakening in a lot of ways, because I began, you know, if anything, it was just part of this, of seeing uh, you know, a, a simplistic. And of course, as a young man, I had to have it. You know, I couldn't get it simple. I had to get it dramatic. You know, so this just forced you know forced me to see that this is this is the operating system. You know, and I I began to see that oh, if I could just sit in this, and you know, I tr- I had mantras, I had prayers, I had all kinds of things I was using. Um, None of them working, by the way, uh, you know. But what did work was the fact that I could sit in the center and I knew that if I didn't resist and if I didn't, you know, it was really, I didn't hope, you know, because that was the other thing. And there was this leaning, hoping somehow that, you know, uh, I would, you know, really be saved in some way. And knowing that, you know, probably was not so. And this went on all night, but it was such, it was like one of these profound insights, that you know, through extreme, you carry with you. And I've seen how it's very much based in the practice of, you can catch yourself, you know, you'll get yourself into your head, and you know, it's kind of like a helium balloon, it goes up, and next thing you know, you'll find yourself kind of leaning away from center. Or, you find yourself resisting what's going on and there's kind of this little, you know, I'm pushing against, you know, this discomfort of my body or that story or, you know, something of the heart and uh, you find yourself, you know, kind of leaning back. So it became uh, very much uh, uh, one of those uh, moments of insight, you know, 40 years ago that uh, was really profound for me. And uh, just a complete story, though. Uh, part of what was happening during the night was there were these huge crashes. And, of course, I didn't know where I was, but these enormous crashes would happen. And um, I had no idea what was going on, whether it was, you know, was this what was real, what was in my mind. And um, when dawn began to break the next morning, a lot of times when you have rain, uh, and particularly in the, in the mountains there, and a lot of mountains, then the clouds kind of moved away from the mountains, you know, at dawn. And um, as it moved away, I looked up and I had made it all the way. And there was, I was right at the face. And one thing about the Himalayas is they're young mountains. So, and when the rains come like that in the first of the season, uh, rocks dislodge. And so during the night, all these crashes were boulders. And I was actually sitting under one of these boulders that had fallen who knows when. Uh, and, um, and there was just the light snow on the ground and all these rocks. And, and, um, and you know maybe it was, I don't know, 150 feet or something up from me was uh, this, uh, it was a, a, a field of snow, and with glacier faces all around it. And there was a moon, full moon setting, and uh, the sun rising. And uh, suddenly I kind of got the, you know, the magnificence of um, the uh, world we inhabit. You know, it is like that. You know, when we can actually notice uh, very clearly what it is that's, happening and this had to be an extreme because that's kind of the way, you know, some, some of us push hard for that. Dramatic things. So this practice is so much based on the fact that, you know, when we can collect ourselves And we begin to kind of get below things and see all these different currents and kind of open up these closets of uh, all the, I don't know, all the kind of garbage that we uh, kind of carry around and begin to kind of sort through it and let it move through. And a lot of times we have to kind of feel it, you know. And a lot of times we haven't allowed ourselves or given ourselves permission or the time. And this is a wonderful place, you know to kind of untangle some of your, you know, holdings and these currents that hold you. Underneath, there is, uh, below the currents themselves, there's really this undisturbed awareness. You know, and you'll touch it. It's what we're doing here is uh, kind of untangling and then touching uh, these places, you could just say, or, you know, non-conflictual, you could use the word peace, or undisturbed awareness. Um, and there's certain kind of qualities that uh, we're, we're working with here. And part of our culture has taught us so much about thinking and analyzing and um, you know it's sort of like I think sometimes um, you know like you have a helium balloon and uh, our minds are always going up and out you know and you'll find yourself caught in this but the practice is actually quite fundamental it's the fact that you kind of pull the helium balloon down and uh, bring it into your physical experience So we start with the breath as this part uh, of collecting uh, in the truth of our physical experience, our bodies, you know. And I guess if I was going to give you a, a hint of the kind of this undisturbed awareness, Uh, it's actually keeping the mind in the body. That somehow we begin this training simply with the breath and then to notice what it is that we feel. You know, like you're sitting here right now and um, it's kind of amazing that you're made up of these elements of earth, air, water, fire. And uh, you're actually being held. You know, that uh, gravity and the Earth, that somehow you're connected uh, in a, a, you know, unqualifiable way uh, to gravity and to the Earth. And that if you allow yourself to kind of bring that kind of helium, you know, balloon of mind down uh, and actually recognize that uh, the Earth itself it it doesn't care. You know, it simply is it takes all sorts of things. You know. We throw all kinds of trash on it, and does it say anything? No. It simply is there. And so there's a possibility of starting to rely on the fact that when you can bring your attention completely into your body and recognize that you are being held, and a lot of times in this practice that uh, when we begin to connect that way, uh, one of the pieces I'm going to suggest to you is when you kind of come out of your head and uh, be with your breath and feel your body, notice what it is, you know, at what's... what's tied to that. You know? And what I find for myself, one of the things is when, just like right now, if you just kind of notice you're kind of on this earth and your butt's on that pillow or chair or whatever, and if you put your attention there, that there's a kind of relaxing or ease because you're actually being held. You know? So you don't have to fight with it. It's actually uh, a place that uh, can support you, you know, for all the different feelings and thoughts and, um, you know, past, future, all that stuff. It all can be held by this. And so my piece tonight is really to, that there's this process we're in and to try to encourage you as much as possible, you know, To allow yourself to notice that you're being held. And that in being held, there is a sense of ease and relaxation. You know. One of the great kind of um, uh, teachers in this tradition was a Thai a forest monk named Ajahn Mun, who is uh, very much a mystic. I guess I always like that about the fact that, you know, uh, there's a very pragmatic side of of this work in the sense it's, you know, just bring your mind here and kind of settle it in and allow it. But on the corners of our awareness when we get settled, uh, there's a lot going on. This is a big universe, you know? And we're somewhat, like, what am I going to say, kind of narcissistic and, and um, self-caught and self-involved. And part of this practice is kind of relaxing that and seeing that, you know, maybe the separateness is not so true, you know, that there's actually a full connection that's available to you. And then on the corners of that is a huge universe. That's um, you know not something uh, you know. I, in a way, I think of it sometimes as I don't really know what's going on, but I don't want to put anything on it. So it's so it's it's sort of suspending any kind of belief or um, imprint on it, that somehow I want to leave that as open as possible, you know. And um, and Ajahn Mun was uh, actually a great teacher of uh, the Venerable Ajahn Chah, who is Jack Kornfield's teacher and many uh, in this tradition. And they say that uh, Ajahn Chah only spent three days with him, you know. But in that time he, the comment was, was he was able to, um, let me see if I can describe this properly, uh, he, Ajahn Chah talked about it as oil and water, and that there is the relative world we live in, and then there is that uh, super mundane or absolute, you know. And he said, well, I, I had experienced something, but I was looking through the eyes of the relative world. And when uh, I actually met with this Ajahn Moon that his mind turned. And he said, I was looking then from the absolute at the relative. And if that makes sense to you, you know, it's what we're doing here. So I'd like to just read this because it's, uh, he was one of the, you know, kind of great people in this lineage. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that comprise it. See the impermanence, the suffering, the selflessness of the body while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly, By the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of mind can shine forth, timeless and delivered. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth, timeless and delivered. Sound good, huh? So I think what I'm going to do here is just kind of finish up here and... uh, No. Uh, Just, I'll read this poem again that I wrote, and hopefully it uh, has something for you. Life happening too fast. Clouds covering the open sky, blueness gone, gray holding the heavens. This first day. Wobbling is like this. Shades of sleepiness, mind spinning, holding court with memories, body resisting, creaking, or was it hollering? Why did I come? Some small gesture, This sitting up straight, Remembering the sadness, no one can be saved. Time takes its toll. Heart sinks with truth. How to begin again? Knowing all about endings. Could it be so simple? Letting go of everything. Starting to practice again, breath appears where no breath was noticed before. Life is holding itself. These magical displays, breath enters this subtle relationship giving and taking, a wilderness of unforeseen chaos. Reorganizing itself. Inhale, exhale. In, out. Could there be a place to rest in this ferocity of change? These elements vibrating. Earth, air, fire, water. Oh, yes. This knowing... It has its place to rest, readily available. Mind dancing in body. Looking carefully, close in, body and mind befriended, a sense of ease. I knew you came to awaken relaxing in the center of this pleasant and unpleasant dance oh my the bell rings leaving the whole valley waiting oh my bell rings leaving the whole valley waiting all disappearing reappearing disappearing reappearing heart quivers. So let's just sit for a moment.